So Money episode 1059 Black Wealth Matters series continues with NBA sports agent Dominique Stapleton. You're listening to So Money with award-winning money guru Farnoosh Torabi. Each day, get a 30-minute dose of financial inspiration from the world's top business minds, authors, influencers, and from Farnoosh herself. Looking for ways to save on gas or double your double coupons? Sorry, you're in the wrong place. Seeking profound ways to live a richer, happier life? Welcome to So Money. That's how my company kind of got formed. And I started thinking, if I can get athletes to trust me with their money, then it'll be an easy transition to get them to trust me with their career. Get this, everybody. According to the National Bureau of Economic Research, 16%, nearly 16% of NFL players have filed for bankruptcy within 12 years of retiring. And a Sports Illustrated article says that 78% of NFL players And 60% of NBA players face serious financial hardships after retirement. Why do so many athletes go bankrupt? My guest today has the answers and a solution. Welcome back to So Money, everybody. I'm Farnoosh Tarabi. Our Black Wealth Matters series continues with Dominique Stapleton, a CEO, sports agent, and financial educator who's the founder of Stapling Success. After working with athletes on their finances for a few years, Dominique wanted to offer her clients more. This year, she became a certified NBA sports agent committed to creating a bridge between athlete success off and on the field. So helping you earn that paycheck and also learn how to manage that paycheck. That's her secret sauce and that's what the world needs. Financial literacy is of the utmost. If we've learned nothing on this show, it's that what you learn matters, makes a difference. Dominique and I talk about being a female trailblazer in this male dominant industry, her hopes for the return of the NBA season and her own upbringing, how an early education and entrepreneurship helped her arrive at her career. Here's Dominique Stapleton. Dominique Stapleton, welcome to So Money. Thank you. Thank you for having me. I'm super excited to be on. It's so rare to connect with a female sports agent. The industry is full of men, white men at that. Do you see yourself represented in the work that you do? I mean, your your skin color, your your gender, you're really blazing a trail here. The answer to that would be no. There are not many female agents. It's actually funny because I'm going to a basketball camp with my players next week. And one of the questions I had, I'm like, so, you know, what do we wear? Like, is there any spe- um, specific things? And they're like, oh, wow, you're a female agent. Okay, so we have to take this into account because we're used to just having all guys here. And I was like, wow, I have to get used to this. Or a lot of times I'm getting responses <laughs> from teams and they're like, yes, sir. And I'm like, oh, no, I'm a ma'am. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so it's definitely um, new. I'm not the first one. Agent Nicole Lynn, she has done an amazing job with kind of opening the doors for female agents. And there's a few others that, you know, I look to for some guidance and kind of let me know that this can be done. But definitely there are not a lot of women, not a lot of African-American women doing this at all. And how you arrived at this career path started with your work helping athletes on their finances. You haven't abandoned that. You've actually added to that as now providing these athletes with representation, primarily NBA, male and female players. So maybe going back in time a little bit, and and I would love to learn about how you got involved in that area of helping athletes specifically with their finances, because we know they definitely need it. 
Yes, definitely. Well, you know, it was really like I stated before, there's kind of no blueprint to becoming a sports agent. And when I was in high school, my school was um, our athletic program was crazy. We had a bunch of kids go D1 schools. Um, We had a lot of kids that were like on Nike and Reebok deals for for, um, track and field. So our school was crazy athletic. I did stats. And that's when I kind of realized my passion for sports. But I was a numbers person. So coming out of college, I had this accounting degree. I'm working in the accounting department of the Orange Bowl um, college football bowl game. And I'm like, I don't like being in the office. What can I do to bring both of those together? And that's how my company kind of got formed. And I started thinking, if I can get athletes to trust me with their money, then it'll be an easy transition to get them to trust me with their career. And once I started doing it, I realized it was more than just a gateway to become an agent. This was actually a need. You know, athletes have, they go from rags to riches. They go from, you know, being in college and then now you have millions of dollars and themselves their friends and their families have no reality of how even to handle that. I mean, even you and I, who we talk about finances on a regular everyday basis, if we were all of a sudden given $10 million, like, hey, manage it and do the best you can, we might have a couple hiccups along the way. So Mm -hmm. that's where I kind of came in. And I was like, you know what? I have to take this a lot more serious because there's a generation coming up. And instead of you know, we keep hearing 50%, 65% of athletes go bankrupt or broke. Let's change that narrative. Let's get the financial education and the financial literacy in there early, and then we can change that trajectory. I definitely see this as being a literacy problem, an education problem. When you bring up the statistics of like 65% of, of athletes go bankrupt, but I also feel like and you can tell me if you if you sense this with your clients and as you coach them, but like I've heard from a lot of guests on this show throughout this series who work in the financial field that when it comes to money and in particular a black individual, let's say a 19-year-old who strikes it rich, who came from a family, a culture that there was no literacy, but there was also like actually no money either. So they grow up with this money to achieve this money and not feeling like it's really theirs, that they deserve it, that they can have ownership of it. They have the sense of guilt. Their families are asking them to support them and they dutifully do. There is this component that we don't often talk about, which is where some of the misdirection happens, right? Because they feel like they don't emotionally, like they're, they're not strong when they get this money and then feeling like this is like my money, that I should invest this, that I should, that it almost feels selfish. Yes, most definitely. And that's why a component of what Stapling Success, which is my company does, is we actually work with the athlete and the people closest to them. Because what I realized is if you can empower everyone around you to be financially stable, financially literate, then you as the the money the person with the most money, you now are not the cash cow, but you're the influx. You know, you become the investor instead of the person that's taking care of everyone. So we actually will talk to the girlfriend, the brother, the mom, and we will say like, what do you, what are your goals as well? And, you know, we help them get their credit to a great place to where they can go and get a business loan or a personal loan and do the things that they want to do to sustain their lives. And the athlete that no longer feels that guilt because they feel like, Hey, we're all 
all moving up together. Because part of it is really like I made it and I have to give back. And then a part of it is I made it. And what is everybody else going to do? Like you said, that guilt. So if you give everyone a role, if you give everybody the same resources that you have, that doesn't necessarily take all the money out of your pocket because financial literacy and financial education, that it's really free, you know? And once, yeah, once you have that, you have it forever. So that's a component that I would say we take very serious is finding the people that are closest to you, figuring out what those dreams are, because as an athlete, as a person with the money, you are going to feel obligated to help them. And the first step is everyone understanding how money works, understanding how business works, and then going to the next level. Speaking of going to the next level, what encouraged you to go to the next level and become an agent? What was the pull? Honestly, there was no really defining moment. It was just more like my clients and other people who have known me for years and known that this has been my dream for over 10 years just started asking me like, Dominique, when are you going to do it? Um, I have a cousin that's coming out in two years. You know, my daughter, she's going to um, college next year. And the pressure kind of got put on me because I'm seeing people that are actually in my network that I don't even have to go and search for a client. They're actually right there at my hands, but I'm lacking the qualifications. So over the summer, uh, I looked on the websites. I was like, okay, what do I need to make this happen right now? When is the test? What are the fees? And in November, I just signed up. I started studying. January, I took the test. February, I became licensed. And then here we are now. Um, I have five, I'm going to be six soon clients. My agency is doing very well. And you know, although we had COVID-19 and the pandemic, which kind of shut some things down, everything's opening up. And I plan to have all my players signed to a team, a professional team by by the, um, the end of the year. My husband knew I was interviewing you and he has a question. He's curious to know. And, and this is a good question. Given that so many players, all the players were restricted under COVID-19, how did that impact generally the finances of some of these athletes were, were we discovering that many of them were living beyond their means because their mortgages weren't going away, right? They're, how much of a, an awakening was this for, for the players, financial awakening? You know, it's, it's kind of funny because when you read the news and you hear that they may not get salaries and things like that, you automatically would think that. But the fact that the country was shut down, a lot of players could not spend the money that they normally do mm-hmm. doing those extracurricular activities, you know, going to the mall with, with their family and their friends, eating out all the time, going to the club after the game, all of those activities activities were restricted. So where some of them did lose a lot of money, they also did save. So I I really think like the clients that I spoke to, it kind of balanced out, but it was more of a wake up call. So a lot more athletes are asking the questions as to, okay, how do I make sure that this doesn't happen again? What can I put in my contract so that my marketing and endorsement deals don't shut down or that I can still fulfill those those requirements during a time like this? So it it was more of awakening than anything. Um, Of course, there are athletes that did suffer. And then it goes back to what we just spoke about helping people in need because they might be financially stable, but now you have a whole neighborhood who still still might not have unemployment. You know, you have your college um, or your high school program that those kids and those teachers are still suffering. So a lot of them were looking for resources to help and donate because they do have a little more money, even though it may not be what they're used to getting. It's a lot more than the average person has access to. 
Yeah. And I think for all of us right now, as uh, whether we've been furloughed or laid off or just maybe still have a job, but worried, right, about where where things are going, where the chips will fall come, you know, as the months go by. This has been a real reckoning of sorts to kind of really re-examine your spending. And if you haven't been spending the way that you used to out of necessity or out of force, do you miss it, right? Do you do you predict that when, when the season reopens and things go back to quote unquote normal, that there'll be fewer cases of money mismanagement, bankruptcy, things like that? Because this was actually a period of time where we learned so much about what our needs versus our wants are. I can definitely agree to that. And honestly, I don't really know because part of me feels like going through this, a lot of people have become awakened and they're they're rebudgeting and things like that. But then, you know, this too will blow over and then it'll be something else. And mm-hmm. then you forget what, ha- what happened. You know, I don't think, especially with NBA players, owning maybe one of their paychecks, depending on how their, um, their contract was structured, was withheld. You know, with them starting back at the end of July, they still will, will have income coming in. So I don't think that it was that big of a a miss, a loss for them to con- completely curb their spending habits. Mm-hmm. I do think that it'll start a conversation, but you know, it's going to take more than just this. It's going to take more from the ground up. Like my programs, I'm trying to get them in middle schools and high schools because if you can get the kids to be conscious from that age, then coming up, you'll have more LeBron James and, and athletes like that, more Marshawn Lynch's that don't spend their money. They only spend their marketing deals and their saving. And like Kirk Cousins, who lived in an apartment with or lived with his parents and drove an old car, even when they had those million dollar contracts, you'll have more athletes that are aware of how it works, because I think the miseducation comes where you think you become a professional athlete and all of a sudden you're rich, but you don't think about the taxes that you have to pay in every state that you compete, your agent fees, your lawyer fees. You know, you don't think about all those things. You don't think about if you get injured. You don't think about if you don't hit those bonuses. And those are the conversations that these young athletes don't hear. They just see the numbers that are reported, but they don't realize how much the athlete actually takes home and what they're actually responsible for on a day-to-day basis. Wow. I didn't realize that you get taxed in every state that you play. Yes. Yes. That is a very, um, that's why a lot of athletes and even entertainers run into so many tax issues, because if you do not have a tax person on your side to do tax planning from the beginning, you will get screwed in the end. But yeah, that that's something that a lot of people don't realize. As you've been building your business as an agent, Dominique, what have been some challenges along the way? Any lessons learned? With COVID-19, it was just like slowed down. Because I took my test and one month later I became licensed and it's like in the middle of, you know, it was about to be March Madness and a lot of players had already committed to um, agency. So I was a little bit behind the ball because I didn't have my official license. So that was kind of something that held me back within the first month. But once the pandemic happened and everything slowed down, it became more digital, So, you know, one thing that a lot of I got a lot of blowback about was 
I was not seen on the internet as a sports agent. I was seen as a finance coach, the athlete finance coach. And that's what people knew me as. So that was something that as I was interviewing players and speaking with their parents, I had to go through that just to really say that I'm credible enough, you know, and then the fact that I'm a female and my agency is new and I'm not signed to a big sports agency like CAA or Octagon or Rock Nation. I have an independent firm where, you know, it's just me and the marketing team and my PR team and we make it happen. So those were some things coming into it that I didn't realize um, would be such a big thing to parents and players. And I, I had to really sit back and realize I have to find a way to show them that even though I'm very new to this, that I've been dealing in this realm for a few years now, I have a few connections and I ultimately have your best interest at heart um, when it comes to negotiating your contract and ultimately handling your career. Yeah, that's a strong pitch. And not to mention, you're going to see it through, not just to getting that paycheck, but everything after too, like managing that paycheck well. I'm going to make sure that that paycheck that I secure for you is actually secure. Right. Exactly. And you know, a lot of the parents, they definitely appreciated that. Like the athletes that I sign, um, I make them do a questionnaire and in there I ask them like, do you have any major debt? Do you know your credit score? Do you have credit cards and things like that? And the parents are like, wow, you know, those are things that we didn't even think were important. And, you know, some of the players are going to go off to play um, basketball overseas. And it's like when you're overseas, you can't access your bank accounts. You can't, you need a credit card. You know, that's the safest route to go. You need to put a freeze on your credit because you don't want things happening here that you don't know about. And those are all things that I'm able to let my athletes and their families know that other agencies and other agents don't even bring up in the first couple of conversations. What drew you to business? I know business was sort of your first passion because you started a business and you have a business degree. And now you're, of course, leveraging that, giving financial advice and and representation. What do you think really fueled it? I would say I come from an entrepreneurial spirited family. Um, when I was very young, my sister and I, we knew how to do hair and things like that. And my father was like, I'll build you guys a hair salon in the, in the backyard, in the garage, if you want me to, you know, so then it just started. I've always been the go-to person about Dominique. I want to do this. How do I do that? And, um, I wanted to be a lawyer, honestly, all throughout my middle school. Well, in elementary school, I thought I was going to be the president. <laughs> and then fast forward to middle school, I, I had a little reality check and I was like, okay, maybe the presidential seat is not for me. It's a little high. Um, and I was like, I can be a lawyer. And all my teachers would tell me like, you talk so much, you're very debative. You should be a lawyer. So a lawyer was where I wanted to go. And, you know, once you get in high school, you start realizing the cost of college. You start realizing how long you would have to be in school. And I said, okay, where can I still negotiate? Where can I still manage? Where can I still do all of these things? And that's where a sports agent came. Now, I will honestly say that with my family having an entrepreneurial spirit, all my friends had small businesses. And I was the one friend that had this business and accounting degree, but I couldn't figure out 
where to start my entrepreneurial journey. And I was fixing all of my friends' credit at the time. We were all trying to figure out how to get apartments and how to get credit cards. And um, through that is where Stapling Success was kind of born as well, because my friends were like, hey, you're really good at this. You know, people would pay you. My parents are asking me how you did this for them. People would pay you to fix their credit. And then it just went from there. So I've always had it in me, but really fine tuning it and channeling it and focusing it on what I already had, which was the business savviness, the the accounting, the financial background, and making it making it something lucrative that will ultimately lead me to my goal of being a sports agent. I love that story about your father encouraging entrepreneurship at a young age. Because so often parents ask, you know, how can I how can I raise a financially savvy kid who then grows up to be an adult who's also money savvy? And and it's not so much about like teaching them about credit and it, compound interest. I mean, that's great, but it's so often we we forget to teach them about how to like be their own bosses and create and monetize their ideas and and that's true wealth yes definitely my father everything we did he was like you guys should do this you guys should do that and you know my sister and I we are, we are very nice even in business right now i find myself you know, negotiating down and things like that for my clients. If you're having a hard time, okay, we'll work it out. But my father used to tell us, you have to, you have to put yourself and your money first. We would be the type to where we would do everybody's hair for free. And then hours later, we're tired. And he's like, so what did you get out of this? You know, you have to realize that your time is worth something. So even if you don't want to charge somebody because they're your friend, you have to charge them for the loss of time where you could have been doing something else. So he was definitely, um, very influential in my sister and I becoming business owners and entrepreneurs. A lot of us had a lot of business goals going into 2020. A lot of entrepreneurs like, this is going to be my year for X. And then that plan got scrapped. And I know that you've already kind of been through that pivot yourself or coming into this, the pandemic hit, but what do you hope the narrative for your business will be in 2020 at the end of the end of the season or at the end of the year? The biggest thing for me is really having all of the athletes on um, Stapleton Sports Group sign professionally. Uh, the next thing is really having a great work-life balance because I am a workaholic. And throughout the pandemic, I found ways to manage all of those things. I found ways to schedule and, you know, really become a student of my calendar. My mentor, David Moreno and David Meltzer, that's not the number one thing that they preach is be a student of your calendar. And that's something that you know, for my business to be successful, for any business to be successful, you have to delegate, you have to manage tasks. And now that I'm running two completely different businesses that kind of align, really managing that time and for stapling success, getting my financial education program into the school system. That's what I was working on. I was having meetings with athletic directors and um, principals prior to the shutdown. And once the shutdown happened, you know, there were more important things. We had to figure out how to get kids food, how to get them laptops to do distance learning. So now that things are starting to open back up and go back to whatever norm that we're going to see moving forward, I'm I'm really hoping that by the end of the year, whether it be virtually or physically in school, that my programs would be um, able to reach a lot more student athletes by the end of the year. Let's hope literacy is in all schools at some point for everybody. You know, it's so important. We don't learn this enough uh, growing up. You represent women and men, athletes, Dominique. So I got to ask, do you experience different kinds of resistance or 
any kind of like disparities when you're negotiating on the behalf of a female client versus a male client? You know, I actually haven't been in that situation as yet. It hasn't been much negotiating um, besides negotiating the contracts with the actual clients from the beginning, because like I said, I recently got um, licensed and things have been shut down. So mm-hmm. um, moving forward over the next 60 to 90 days, that's when we really get into the nitty gritty of negotiating and talking with GMs and teams and coaches and things like that. So, you know, hopefully we can have a another interview later on in the year or early next year where I will be able to have that answer for you. But as of right now, I haven't, I haven't experienced that as yet. Are you preparing for any differences? I mean, given that what we know about the pay gap? Honestly, no. I am a firm believer. You know, my parents were ones that said, don't be the best female in the class. Don't be the best, you know, African-American in the class. Be the best person because you never know. Uh, my father was in the military. So he's like, you know, there's there's going to be Asian kids that are going to be smarter than you. So, you know, you can't say that you want to be better than this person or that person. You need to be the best at everything. So I go into every negotiation with that mindset, like my player is the best. And if this is what the best is going to get paid, then this is what my client deserves. And that's the energy that I carry. And anybody that will come to me in a negotiation will feel that from the beginning. I'm a firm believer in what you put out first is what you get back. And you have to show people that regardless to gender, if my client can perform, if they can, you know, bring your company the type of exposure that you're looking for or represent your brand this way, then they should be compensated the same. Well, I would love to have you back, Dominique, in six to nine months, especially because so much is changing so fast. And the industry, I mean, my brother is a huge basketball fan. He's living with me right now. So he actually started a a newsletter called Fan Hoops. Everybody check it out. Covers the, it's like a, it's like a, it, this is like totally a side gig for him. I mean, like, it's a passion project, but, um, he will be excited to know that, uh, we spoke. But from him, I'm also getting a lot of like insider play. And we're all so very excited to see where the season takes us. Are you excited? I am a super excited. Um, basketball is coming back at the end of July. I'm, I've really been kind of bored. Yeah. I'm- those people where Sunday it's all about football. I'm a crazy Eagles fan. So every Sunday. Yeah, so are we. <laughs> yeah. So if I'm not trying to get to Philly to watch the game, I'm here watching it. Um, you know, the 76ers, that's my team as well. So when they were in the finals against the Nets in Toronto, I was like in Philly every other day, twice a week watching the games. So it was kind of like too much downtime for me. I'm ready for it all to, to come back to normal. But, you know, as a businesswoman, as an agent, one thing that I heard agent Nicole Lynn say was once she became an agent, she no longer could enjoy the sports the way that she wanted to. And I'm hoping that I don't have that same thing, but, um, that's something that I'm interested to see the, the shift in my mindset as I'm watching sports now, because I'm on the other side of it. I'm not just a fan right now. I'm actually in it, you know, so that's something that I'm very excited to see. Well, we look forward to revisiting this and, and learning more through your lens uh, in the months to come. Thank you so much for coming on the show. Thank you for having me. I really enjoyed our conversation. Thanks so much to Dominique for joining us. Check out staplingsuccess.com to learn more about her company. And you can follow Dominique on Instagram at Dominique Stapleton. All this information is on somoneypodcast.com. And while you're there, do click on the Ask Farnoosh button. We will be resuming our Ask Farnoosh episodes next week, July 3rd. Black Wealth Matters continues until the end of the month. Thanks for tuning in, everybody. I hope your day is so money.